Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. I don't know what a tracker mortgage is. You're listening to Bandwagons. really hope people get that reference and I'm not a weirdo. They will. Surely everyone that listens to the podcast is as old as us. <laughs> You'd hope. Um, welcome back to Bandwagons. Thanks so much for joining us. This week, we're talking about a bandwagon that a lot of people can't get on. They're trying. With, they're, and they're trying um, with the with the state of the country and everything else. Um, so we thought it was time to tackle the issue of the housing crisis and the bandwagon of uh, trying to buy a house. And we were very lucky to be joined by two lovely guests who will join us later on in the podcast. We have Owen O'Connor from Finance Solutions. He is the mortgage guy on Instagram. He's going to bring us through um, a baby's guide uh, on applying for a mortgage and makes it what cute. to think of. It is, well, it is kind of cute. <laughs> Make it all cute. And then we were delighted to be joined by uh, Killian Woods. He's the senior business, uh, what is he? Senior business reporter? Yeah. What did he say? Yeah, it's sorry. The he's the senior business, business reporter. Yeah. Of, <laughs> no, it's not the Sunday business post anymore. It's just the business post. No more Sundays? Well, it's out on Sundays, but they just don't call it that anymore. It's business Okay, post. interesting. Because you can get it whenever you want online and you should pay for it because that's how we get good journalism like Killian's. Um, but we'll have more on that later because we wanted to start off with um, some, we got a lot of, we asked listeners for their stories about buying houses. And- yeah, because neither of us have done it, but we have a lot of people, friends in our lives, people we know at the minute who are have either recently bought, built or are currently trying to buy, build, get a mortgage, all that. So it's kind of like, and you, Fanuda, like bop it, buy it, build it, <laughs> bought it. And Fanuda's uh, mad into it. I I, I just really, like to, I just like to pretend I'm building houses in my head. I really thought I was going to be able to apply this year, but after um, rapidly coming down to earth, I realized that would not be the case. Well, I could, but I would have like no money left, which isn't uh, a nice place to be. So we're probably going to be looking to apply at some stage next year. So it's on the horizon for me, but um, not just yet. Not just yet. That's insane. I think you're insane. Anyway, 
I think everyone's um, insane. That's you always problem. think I'm insane. That's the problem. Um, right, but anyway, we, we put it out to the stories. listeners um, for your stories on your experiences, buying houses, getting mortgage approval, all that jazz. And I thought we were going to get like similar to the renting ones, a lot of like nightmare situations. But I'm pretty sure all, if not bar a couple maybe, are positive. So let's keep it light, guys. Let's hashtag keep it light. And when these are all be anonymous, obviously. Yeah. Well, do you want to start? Will I start? I'm going to go from the Yeah, will I start to... from the top? Yeah. Okay. Hey, gals. Love the pod. I already know this episode will infuriate me in brackets. Oh, no, of course. Bad one. <laughs> of course, not you gals, but the topic in general. Oh, thanks. I appreciate that clarification. Myself and my boyfriend have been mortgage approved since last October. We've gone sale agreed three times and all have fallen through. One vendor said they wouldn't move until their daughter finished her exams. In brackets, did they not think about that until after they agreed to the sale? Fair. The second was too afraid of Corona to let valuers and engineers into our house. Again, any foresight here at all. So like this was October, like 2020. This wasn't October 2019. Like Corona was very much still alive and thriving, unfortunately. Um, the last decided they wanted more money. It's honestly the most stressful, heartbreaking experience for couples. We're both college educated in permanent jobs at reasonably good wages. It shouldn't be so difficult to buy. I emailed in because so often you see couples with the Insta pick up the keys or the forever home hashtag, but very few people talk about the endless calls to the bank to see how your application is progressing, the emails to payroll for updated salary certs, the relentless scrolling through daft and your life revolving around viewings. It's definitely a journey which should be talked about. I haven't shut up about it to my friends because I want them to know what to expect when it's their turn. I feel I went into this process with rose tinted glasses. Anyway, we look to be sorted now in brackets, fourth time could possibly be the charm. Fingers crossed emoji. We've our fingers crossed too. But I don't en- for you. But I don't envy anyone starting out. A colleague recently told me Ireland is no place for young people. I think she could have a point. Sorry for the negative email. As I said, I just want people to be prepared. Thanks for all the pod laughs. Well, like we we talk about this a bit later in the podcast about a friend who was kind of going through it. And like I've had family members who were the same and I've been lucky that I've gotten like that that just kind of realism where it's like you know like what they're up against at the minute um but as we said there are positive stories and even one of our guests like deals with uh, Owen O'Connor deals with people who are buying houses and looking to buy houses and he said there's as much positivity as there is negativity I think um, yeah but it is just hard with prevalent issues and the issues that keep coming up like supply and demand and all that sort of thing yeah um i have another one here hey yeah uh, re-buying a house i bought my uh bought by myself back in october in galway but a lot of a lot of luck involved i have a v good wage so that 3.5 times was uh that was a decent budget but i was also very lucky in that a family member was in a position to help me with a deposit which saved me i would say about a year in terms of time scales the whole mortgage process was a dream though v good mortgage broker so totally stress-free would recommend by the way Anyways, when it came to buying, I looked at a house, it was a bit of a kip, but like the estate, etc. So put a lower offer in, no budge, and they eventually took it off the market. Eventually, months later, I ended up getting another house in the same estate that was much in much better nick and in a nicer location in the estate for the same asking price as the other and couldn't be happier with how it all worked out. But I was just very lucky this house popped up and it was ready to go. Also lucky that I had a little extra money, a little extra money wise from lockdown. I look on Daft every now and then and these uh, there is zero chance I'd be able to buy a decent house in the same area now. Anything in any ways decent so far out of my budget or is so far out of my budget. In terms of new builds, I wouldn't even be able to afford a one bed apartment. For reference, I have a four bed house with a nice garden now. Also, just a note about the house I originally had 
the offer in on they have done it up inside and i'd say they spent maybe 15 to 20 grand on it but the asking price is 55 grand higher absolute madness sorry for the long mail love the pod like it's just i don't know and the one thing i will say is um the one thing i will say is like it's not um it's not as simple for and this isn't a criticism of the person that wrote in right because this is the reality for a lot of people in that or like I know I like I think I would be in a position where I would be able to get help if I really needed it or whatever financially but like that is not feasible for so many people like they're not gonna have mommy or daddy or the uncle or an inheritance or something so like and obviously like don't get me wrong I'm delighted for this person and as it's great to see this positivity come in or whatever but even like you'll see it where those those memes that'll kind of go viral where it's like how I bought my first house at 19 years old and then you read then you read the body of the article and it's like um her her parents gave her 100k like of of course you're able to buy the house like of course because you've got that amount it shouldn't have to fall to our parents but unfortunately um that's the way it's going and it's great that some people have that as an option but it's just not everyone will absolutely and that's what's that's what's very difficult i think and i think we're here guys it it should yeah it shouldn't have to fall to your parents um this is another wave and this is nice and pause hey girls love the pod and can't wait for the cork and dublin shows i know this gal who emailed in and uh, i'm a big fan of yours but uh, obviously we're not gonna Tell your identity. I'm just wanted to shout you out. Um, My boyfriend and I have bought a house that will be ready next summer. We made an appointment with a mortgage broker last year. My boyfriend works in insurance and knows him well. They're good friends. I had never met him before. Bearing in mind the price of a new car every month, rent in Dublin, and had a commute from the north side to the south side, I found it very hard to save at the time. After scanning my bank statements, he said, you like to shop, do you? And I hate shopping, just found it really hard to save at the time. He actually had me convinced I do like shopping. Then on viewing a house, the estate agent who I had just met for the first time was talking to me about the finishing of the new build we're buying and said to me, you know, you like nice things. Sweeping generalization alert. I mean, he was right, but just think these observations from people I don't know are unnecessary. Interestingly, they never made comments about my boyfriend. In general, the whole buying experience was very positive, but think estate agents and brokers need to keep their observations of their buyers to themselves. Lots of happy stories too, so really can't complain. Those are two that stuck out the most. That is like very strange. I mean, who doesn't like nice things? It's like who being does- afraid of the sea. Like who exactly who like learning, you know? Like everyone likes nice things. Everyone would want nice things. Yeah. You know? The shopping thing, I'm kind of like, okay, maybe he was just like, I don't know, maybe whatever you were doing, he saw it as more than what was kind of standard or whatever, but like that oh you like nice things that is that's a neg that's a neg I'd be like no 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 I I exclusively (laughs) only like shite (laughs) um this is another success story hi girls love the pod saw this on twitter and just thought I'd share a not so horrific story um bought an apartment during the second lockdown I'm single so I applied for the mortgage on my own I absolutely flew through the process no hiccups at all I think the whole thing was done and dusted inside two months started in mid-October got the keys early December this isn't me bragging at all I just wanted to let people know it's not all a horror show I know a few other people who have got mortgages or are applying at the minute and are jumping through absolute hoops that's positive because that that is is one thing you always see come up about single people being shut out yeah and sometimes people just fly through it with ease yeah yeah 
Now I will say it would be, now maybe this person just wanted a, an apartment as opposed to a house, but like, I do still think an issue there is like, you should be able to afford a house on your own. Like it doesn't have to be a fucking mansion, like obviously, but, or it could be, I don't, whatever, eat the rich and all that jazz. But like, there is still like an affordability issue there, but it is extremely positive to hear of a single person not having huge issues going through it. Absolutely. See, like it should give anyone hope who's like, I'm never going to own a house unless I shack up with someone and they might not want to. You know what I mean? I think there's a thing as well where it's like, oh, they can't get someone or whatever. But like, what if you just, what if you don't want to be with anyone? You know, what if you just, yeah. what if it's no, no, what if it's no one's business? It is no one's business. It's a thing though. I just don't know. Like it shouldn't, uh, it shouldn't be a factor. We should just all get the houses we want. I'm too cranky for this today. <laughs> I keep catching myself in the Zoom and I'm so sunburned. You don't look that sunburned. I'm, I don't know. I Your don't body know, is sunburned. My Your body, body is, is sunburned. <laughs> yeah. um, hi gals, love the podcast. I'm 25 and bought a house. You didn't read this, did you? No idea. No. Uh, by myself. My partner wasn't involved in buying and I didn't get a gift from my parents to help. I live in Limerick, which makes a huge difference, to be fair. That's fair. I also never rented, having lived at home throughout college until I moved out when I got my keys to my own house. I saved very hard. I got mortgage approval, uh, pretty, got mortgage approval pretty, I'm assuming quickly, which gave me 105K to work with. The house I bought was 125K. The shortfall was made up of a year's direct debit straight to savings every month and the money I had been saving steadily from working since I was 16. I've always been a saver, which makes a huge difference, but I made lots of sacrifices too. I don't drink much, so not many nights out in my budget and haven't been on holiday in six years, for example. You better go on a holiday after COVID. That's an order by order of bandwagons, by order Treat of yourself. bandwagons. I'm very fortunate to have been able to buy, but it was still very difficult. I bought in the area I grew up and lived my whole life in, and in brackets, not for everyone I know, in a very working class area. It's home to me, but I find most people have the image in their head of a three to four semi bed, semi-detached new build when thinking of their dream home, something I could never have achieved. I'm very lucky I bought when I did because a house four doors down for me has now gone up for sale for 40,000 euro more than what I paid, which just goes to show how rapidly the housing crisis is escalating. I know how lucky I am to have been able to buy and that I'm the outlier of people in their 20s. So I hope you aren't rolling your eyes reading this. It's just my own experience and circumstances. All I can say was that it was doable and I hope things improve in general so everyone can own their own home if that's what they want. Thanks. Hope this helps. I wasn't rolling my eyes. I mean, Listen, I think I have a lot of admiration for someone who's, who worked that hard and just everyone and just did it. Everyone's on their own timelines, guys. What is the rush? What yeah. is the what's the rush? Is my new motto. Yeah, that's fair. That's totally fair, guys. Take put the feet up. Yeah, it's gonna be a especially. I think if COVID is, life. <laughs> if COVID has made us realize anything, it's that. It's why you've seen people like relocate and you know save more, like save as long money as you're happy. Countryside. Yeah, exactly. Your health is your wealth, girlies. <laughs> it is. Um, I'm not being serious. No, it is, no, you're dead right. Um, what will we go to an interview? Yeah, let's go to an interview. Um, so for anyone who's maybe at the very start of the process or is maybe listening to this thinking, maybe I could do it, or maybe I want to do it, or maybe I want to do it at some stage down the line. Um, we were very delighted to be joined by Owen O'Connor from Finance Solutions. He is the mortgage guy on Instagram. That is at the underscore mortgage, full stop guy. Um, he's a broker, so he brought us through like what you'd need, um, misconceptions, everything like that. Uh, a very good chat. And if you are looking to find out more, his Instagram is a wealth of information. Um, so yeah, here's our chat with Owen. 
We are delighted now to be joined by Owen O'Connor from Finance Solutions, otherwise known as The Mortgage Guy on Instagram. Thanks so much for joining us on Bandwagons. You? You're very welcome. Thanks for inviting me. Delighted to have you. Um, I suppose with Bandwagons, we kind of always want to make it like very accessible and like whatever topic we're talking about, we want it to be like X for dummies. So this is basically like buying a house for dummies. So if we can start like when you're applying for a mortgage or when you kind of have that first thought where you're like, okay, I want to make a start on the journey to buying a house. What do people need to do or what do people need to think about before kind of putting pen to paper or calling someone like yourself? Yeah, the, the, fourth, the fourth place, and I know it sounds very simple, is just pick up the phone. Uh, whether it's a mortgage broker like myself, your own bank that you bank with, it's just knowing the information. You know, there's no point putting your put it off because a lot of people will put it on the long finger because a lot of people find mortgages scary. And, and I suppose that was one of the reasons why I set up the page in the first place was to kind of break it down into simple terms. So people will be like, Do you know what's actually not that scary, it's quite easy. So I suppose from the first point of view, you need to have your deposit. So if you're a first time buyer, you need to have your 10% deposit. So if you're buying a, I don't know, let's say 350, you need 25 grand. Okay. So that can come in the form of your savings, the help the boy scheme. If you're if you're buying a new build, you can get up to 20 grand back. Uh, on that, but it's only if you're buying a new build. And then thirdly, if you're lucky enough uh, to get it off the uh, the parents, you can get a gift <laughs> towards your deposit as well. So, um, I can barely get a point off my dad, so uh, <laughs> never mind twenty grand. So uh, look, if you're lucky enough to get that, banks will be happy enough to accept gifts. And it is, believe it or not, becoming more common because of high rents at the moment. People are struggling to save the deposit, so um, you need your deposit first of all, and then you need obviously to have an income because you won't get a mortgage without having an income, you know? So whether you're full-time permanent, whether you're on a contract, whether you're self-employed, you need to have an income. And then if you have those two, you need to just show you can afford the monthly payments. So I suppose the best way of describing that is if your new mortgage payment is, let's say, €1,200 per month, you need to show you can afford that six months before you apply to either rent or savings. And this is why I say to people, the best time to pick up the phone is six months before you want to apply because you want to make sure you're showing that affordability. Because they're not showing it. The, the advisor or broker will just say, look, this is what you need to do. Go back to me in another six months. You know, so as long as you're doing that, you have a clean credit history, as in no mispayments on loans or credit cards. And if you do, be upfront with the advisor or broker. It, you might still get a... a you might still get the application through. Um, and we, I suppose, as a broker, we deal with this stuff every day. So we'll know which lenders will look at the application if there is any issues on the credit history and which won't. And then just having clean accounts. So it doesn't mean you can't buy your coffee or get your Burger King. Clean accounts means not showing uh, financial pressure. Um, so you're not going over drawing your account. You're not showing, you're not missing direct debits, et cetera, because that'd be the worst thing you could do before you probably get your biggest financial commitment you'll ever make. <laughs> So, yeah, they're kind of the five fundamentals on uh, before you apply for mortgage. Yeah, well, I'd always thought, um, you you know, if you do the lotto or if you buy scratch cards or if you buy too many takeaways, you'll never own a house. Someone, I don't know, told me that. Um, I don't know if they're true. What are the common misconceptions when people are applying for mortgages? But, the, but that's it. Everybody says, like, I can't show my online shopping, so boohoo.com is out the door. Uh, I can't get my three coffees a day if you're into caffeine that much. Um, I can't show my takeaways, all that kind of stuff. That, that, that might have been true years ago. 
but that's all gone now. As long as you, like you're not, your accounts aren't showing financial pressure, you can get your takeaways, you can get your coffees, um, and as long as you're showing you can afford the monthly payment through either your rent or your savings each month, the banks are happy enough with that, you know. And another misconception is probably you need to have a permanent job for the last 10 years to get a mortgage. That's not true. The days of people are being permanent uh, in the role is very rare nowadays, you know. So if you're on a contract role and you fear that you won't get mortgage approval, pick up the phone. You know, if you're self-employed a number of years and you're concerned, am I earning enough? Pick up the phone. You know, there's plenty of misconceptions. And probably the worst thing and the worst bit of advice you could give someone, people think you need to have a loan before you go for a mortgage to show that you can pay back uh, the loan and you've proven ability to pay back a loan in the past. Once again, that was, that was true maybe 10, 15 years ago. But it doesn't make sense for you to have more commitments when going for the biggest financial commitment you have. So don't worry about having to have a credit card or have a loan. Once you have your deposit, you have an income, and you can show you can afford a mortgage payment that your accounts aren't short for that depression. That's all you need. Simple as. What does a broker like yourselves do? Like, what's the difference between going to you or going directly to a bank? I suppose it's more choice and saving you time. Like, think about it. If you go to your own bank, you only know what they can offer you. So I suppose why walk into one bank when you can walk into technically eight by meeting with a broker? So I suppose my job is to find out what's important to you from a lender. So is it max lend, which I suppose with house prices the way they are, the majority of people probably want the max lend. Uh, number two is lowest rates, which is probably the best financial advice. Uh, the lower the rate, the less money you pay back. And then other people love the cashback offers. Um, so that's where a lender will give you 2% of your mortgage balance. And look at that, will pay for your suite of furniture, your table and chairs when you get into the house. So some people love that. But everybody's different. I can guarantee between the two of you, if you spoke to five different friends that got mortgages, they probably all went with different lenders because they all had different needs. So it's, it's find the lender to meet your needs. It's more personal. So, so you have my mobile, you have my direct email, you have, you have me on Instagram. I can't escape, actually. Um, so it's, it's a lot more personal. So literally, I am with you every step of the way. So it's not just but have your mortgage approval, do the rest yourself. I'm literally with you to review your information, make some recommendations, get your application in, and literally guide you every step of the way until you get your keys. And then, look, you're on your own. As long as you, as long as you pay your mortgage, uh, then it's fine. Um, and it's not just the client's for now it's a client for life you know we regularly set up reviews with clients that drew down three years ago and that lender may not sue them anymore or be offering them good, good rates and we set up these reviews to make sure we're still getting the best deal I suppose along the way and it doesn't cost you a penny so we do all the work for you we get paid with the lender some brokers charge a fee uh, we have finance solutions don't charge a fee uh, we're happy enough if you're happy with our service refers all the friends family or work colleagues so it doesn't cost you a penny so for me who worked in bank in 10 years before becoming a broker, I think it's a no-brainer. But I'm biased. But... Yeah. You, were saying so before, <laughs> you were saying before we started, you're working Saturdays, Sundays, all hours now. But how has business been for you for the last couple of years? Yeah, it's crazy. Like It's, it's just been getting busier and busier. And I suppose the reason for that is obviously we have a supply and demand issue. Um, in regards to properties, there's not enough properties out there for the amount of people that want to actually buy, you know. So it's getting busier and busier. Um, it's a good thing. I've probably got a few extra grey hairs over the last 12 months and um, with the amount of applications coming through. But once again, 
look, it's a good complaint. I could be unemployed or I could be on the wage subsidy, you know. So if we won't complain, the more people we can get into homes, obviously, the better. It's a very rewarding job at the end of the process. Yes, a mortgage can be stressful. But as I said, when you get that email from someone saying they got their keys, there's, there's, there's honestly no better feeling. What are the biggest challenges you're seeing or like the biggest barriers that people are facing in owning a home? I suppose you mentioned there about supply and demand, like that's an obvious one, but is it are there anything else or is it mainly just like, we do not have enough houses, like we need to build houses? Yeah, like it's a no-brainer. Like the central bank state, we need to build 30,000 homes a year. Um, we built 20,000 last year and it looks like we're going to build another 20,000 this year. And obviously that's being impacted by the restrictions um, because of COVID-19. Like, it's scary. Like, I, I was looking up a DAF report there, but just before coming on, like, um, supply fell by 40% over the last 12 months. That's huge. You know, like, there's not enough properties. People are bidding against each other. And, you know, the more people bidding against each other, prices are going to keep going, you know. So um, that's obviously the main, um, the, the main issue. Um, is the supply and demand issue but there's a lot of things that we always say to clients before they come to me is check your credit history I'm, I'm seeing that's a huge issue now especially where people who are probably weren't in a position to move this year or they weren't expecting to and all of a sudden they have the help to buy which would possibly give them 10% of, the, of their deposit and obviously COVID-19 if your income hasn't been affected We've had no pubs, we've had no restaurants, and you probably weren't aware we've had no holidays. So people have probably saved more over the last 12 months than they've ever done. So it puts them in a position to move now. So a key thing I say to most clients, they don't have to do it, but I think it's worthwhile, is check your credit history. Um, because things last in your credit history five, up to five years after the debt's paid back. So a common thing is some of that, I don't know, went to Australia years ago or emigrated to Canada and for, forgot about the, the student credit cards, you know, that had 100 quid left in it and all of a sudden the bank wrote it off and they forgot about it and all of a sudden you're going for a mortgage application for three or 400 grand and this 100 euro credit card is, is causing an issue for your application. That could put you back a year or two years, you know, and you could think everything's perfect. So my, my biggest tip for anybody looking to, other than obviously pick up the phone and get some advice is, is to check your credit history. It's a huge thing I've seen lately. Um, and if there is any issues, we we see them every day. It doesn't mean, look, you can't get that mortgage for the next five years. It's not like that at all. You know, a couple of mistakes is fine. And if there's a genuine reason, we should be able to walk around it. But I don't know there's any credit history issues unless the client's held in your front. Because when I submit the application and everything looks perfect, um, the bank does actually really check the application submitted. And if something comes back then, I'm like, probably should have told me, you know, and uh, I know what lenders that will accept, um, accept any bad credit history and what lenders won't. So credit history is a huge thing um, that I'm finding. And then obviously with the supply and demand issue, house prices, they've obviously increased over the last few years. Like the, the median price in Dublin at the moment is 390, you know, so... Jesus. You take your deposit at 29 grand off. That's a 351 grand mortgage. <laughs> yes, Jesus is right. Um, so you need to be on an income to buy an average house in Dublin. You need to be on an income of 100 grand. So look, if it's a joint application and you just have 100 grand between you, but if you're a single person coming up with 100 grand of an income, it's, it's going to be hard. So house prices, that's, that's a huge thing. Um, I suppose the central bank have their limits in there that you can't borrow more than three and a half times your salary. 
So a good few people are requesting them. The lenders can only pass 20% of the loan book. So that means 80% of that business must be within three and a half times. And with house prices gone the way they are, a lot of clients need the exemption and not everyone's going to get them. Owen O'Connor from Finance Solutions, aka The Mortgage Guy. Please check him out on Instagram. Thank you so much for joining us on Bandwagons. You're very welcome. Owen O'Connor there from Finance Solutions. And as I said, you can find him at the underscore mortgage dot guy on Instagram. We will tag him on our own page as well. Fantastic. Is it, what a, is what it a my man. turn for a story? No, it's your turn. It is my turn. Bear with me. It's, I'm moving in slow motion. Uh, hi, gals. Love the pod. I'm 34 now, but when we were 24, we bought our house. We got the last round of the old affordable housing scheme. And if it wasn't for that, I think we'd still be living with our parents. The old scheme meant you needed 5,000 deposit instead. Uh, and instead of the price of the house, uh, and instead of the price of our house at the time 195,000 for a three bed end of terrace in Dublin 15 we paid 147,000 houses on my road are now going for 350,000 I honestly don't understand why they stopped back in 2011 because it was a great scheme Very did, that, did I butcher that? did that make sense? you kind of butchered it but I'm assuming it's just because you can't read from the sunburn <laughs> um, yeah like I think it's like it's a government state issue, I think. I think it's like, and you know what I thought was an interesting conversation? This is kind of tangential, but you know the way with everything that went on at the weekend with like Dublin being trashed and whatever. And yeah, which like I don't condone. And like, obviously there's a level of personal responsibility there, but I do also, I think you can believe that there's personal responsibility and also that the city council doesn't do enough and Dublin isn't fit for purpose. Yeah, you can be mad about both. You can be mad about both. But I think there, I saw a tweet, was it from Peter Mag- Peter Maguire? Is that his name? I don't know. He tweeted, you know, the way they were talking about like an outdoor summer and blah, blah, blah. And it was like, I think the government and like everyone, everyone else, they were like, they were saying that. Now, in fairness, they're being advised by health officials, but they're saying outdoor summer and they're envisaging that as like, are you in your garden? Like, like with your mates, drinking your wine, blah, blah, blah. But like, that's not. That's a way longer slogan, isn't it? It wouldn't fit in the posters. Yeah, that, yeah, that is a way longer slogan. Very, very good. But like, <laughs> that's not feasible for a lot of people if you're living in an apartment oh uh, yeah like, absolutely yeah you're we are so you blessed to not, have gardens genuinely or yeah or like grateful. if you're renting or if you're renting and you don't have a garden or the garden is like to- totally shy because the landlord hasn't maintained it or, or if like, you want your front garden out on a road like it's just yeah it's not like of course they're going to go and congregate in other public places like mm. yeah you forget about how much of the city is made up of apartments yeah and um, grateful for my uh, garden how about you? Hashtag grateful for my garden. I am grateful as well. Okay, here's another one. Hey girls, this may not be relevant for your podcast, but I just thought I'd share it anyway because I feel like it's something that a lot of people may be considering these days, particularly in the last year with everything that's happened because of COVID and stuff. This is just more of a thought than a positive or negative story about how something. Like many people, I've been studying and working from home for the past year and a half or so. And as a young working professional with the hopes of buying some kind of property in the next five years, in brackets, hopefully, I have absolutely zero intentions of buying a house slash property in Ireland. I lived abroad just prior to COVID and I just think the quality of life outside Ireland is so much better. It's absolutely sickening to think that the average rent in Dublin is a thousand a month. I have absolutely no idea where a young working professional would be able to pull this money from. And obviously this makes it very hard to even think about starting to save for a house when so much income is already going towards renting. 
after spending so much money on rent over the past five to six years, I feel as though my only option if I want my own place is to buy abroad. If I actually want a place in Ireland, then I definitely wouldn't be able to afford something until I'm at least 30. In brackets, I'm 24 now. I've been scaring the internet over the past few weeks and there's so many places abroad, in brackets, primarily Spain or Italy, that are less than 80k. I accept the fact that some of them might need redecorating, but anything I've seen that's been about around the 80k mark did, didn't need any construction or work done to the actual bones of the house. It was just more so putting in a new kitchen or buying some new furniture. Even with those things added together, you'd still get a place for hundred, uh, for under 100k if you're really willing to search for a good deal and if you didn't mind doing some redecorating before moving in. Anyway, just with all that in mind, I unfortunately don't see myself buying in Ireland anytime soon. On the one hand, it's sad because my family are here and Ireland is my home. But on the other hand, buying abroad is a massive adventure. Not everyone would consider it, but there's a lot of people that would. I hope this is helpful in some way. Love the podcast and keep up the fab work. You know who did that actually? And it wasn't really anything to do with, well, I'm sure that what like, it was a factor, you know, that kind of a way. But um, yeah. do you follow Steph My Life on Instagram? No. So she's a travel blogger and she does like these kind of courses for entrepreneurs and stuff. But she would have been like, obviously, like she traveled and she did like the, she ran those courses to like fund the traveling lifestyle and whatever. But obviously uh, herself and her boyfriend were in an accident when they were abroad. And then that coupled with the pandemic kind of led them to be like, right, fuck it, we need a base. So we're going to have to buy from somewhere. So they bought a gaff in Italy for like mega, mega cheap. I'm just trying to look here in my- That's insane, um... isn't it? But they said it, it's like you can get houses for like a euro. yeah. I've seen those. No, like obviously there's stickers. like, it's not that there's a catch, but it's like you paid the other money with it. Like, but they, and they didn't pay euro for their house, but they, what they paid was nothing. And if you look back at any of her highlights, the house is stunning. It is divine. Yeah. Now it's in like, I think it's in a bruzo, a bruzo, I'm sure is the Italian pronunciation, which I, again, obviously isn't like the center of the earth of Italy. But like, again, if you follow her, it's at Steph My Life on Instagram. Divine. And she is the best advertisement for it, like, honestly. Yeah, I love that. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health Right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. For her, because it makes sense, but like, I don't want to be run out of my own country. Well, yeah, this is the thing, I suppose. I want to be able I... to live where I want to live and not yeah. have the prices, of, prices affect that. Yeah. Um. Here's a... Another one. Hey gals, love the podcast. We recently bought a house in Limerick, went stale agreed before Christmas and got in in February. Overall, the experience was fine once you had the time to follow up with the state agents and engineers to keep the process moving. The most annoying thing was the lack of contact from the solicitor, constantly ringing them um, and then having to pay a bail of €5,000. 
one piece of advice I would say is it's all about the area you're going to live in. We stalked the area at different times of the day to make sure it was what we wanted. You can change a house to suit you, but you can't do that with the area. We realise how lucky we are to have gotten sorted during COVID. Hope anyone saving and hope anyone saving in the process the best of luck. That's so true, actually. Yeah. Um, yeah. How many more emails do you have? We cut I, have our next one more. I have one more. Yeah, we can do them at the end. Sorry, which one am I at? Which one did you just read? You should be like five down. Okay, hang on. One, two, three, four, five. Oh, yeah. Um, before we get into that, though, we were joined by Killian Woods. He's the senior business reporter for the Business Post. And he's been breaking a lot of stories about um, cuckoo funds and the supply and demand issues and just the housing market in general and um he is um an incredible journalist and a good friend and we are delighted to finally have him on the podcast um and he explained the housing and renting crisis uh, with uh examples from real houses of every hill so what more could you want um <laughs> this is killian woods enjoy we are delighted to be joined by senior business reporter for the Business Post, Killian Woods, to talk about the state of the housing market. <laughs> thanks for having thanks me, guys. So, thanks so much for joining us. Um, let's let's just get into it because me and Breed, we don't have a breeze. No. Um, I see a lot of your stuff on Instagram and I've read a lot of your stuff before. This is a beat you've been on for a while and I think even if you you even know, like anecdotally, even if you're not like looking for a house or buying a house, if you live anywhere in Ireland or especially in Dublin, like the housing market is shite at the minute. But especially the last few months, there seem to be more and more stories coming out of like people coming in and like entire estates being bought up. And the government is somehow involved in this, even though like we're all looking for houses. Like, can you condense what's going on for people who are like us, very confused? So the best thing to probably do would be kind of pick a point like in the past where it was not maybe not necessarily good or bad, but just a, a start from a point because it, it, it has been very bad for many years. But, you know, we could get like, we could go, we could go around in circles all day, kind of going back to the moment when it was good previously. I suppose going back to the last time it was good would probably be when there was an oversupply of properties in the Celtic Tiger. And then since then, since the crash, it's never been good. And there's been many people predicting that it was going to be bad. And now it's actually come to fruition that it's very bad. But let's just start with going back to prior to the pandemic last year. Prior to the pandemic last year, we were kind of getting on track to building up the amount of homes we need to build every year. It's kind of touted as we need 30, 35,000. We were on track for 24 last year. And then obviously we fell short because of the slowdown in building happened. And it was just not building. Building wasn't happening for a lot of time, a lot of time during the actual first lockdown. So that now effect of the pause has, and, and the whole, whole pandemic, it has, has put everyone kind of, I suppose, on edge about what they should do and decisions for whether they should buy a house, whether they should sell their house, whether, and then builders, whether they should actually build houses. So back to March last year, when everything essentially paused, that's not just housing, it's all industry nearly, it just paused. We have that, that, then when everything started to open up again later in the year, especially in housing, all the stuff that was meant to happen between March and kind of like November was loaded into November, December of last year, mm-hmm. which means that like there was all these people who were mortgage approved, all these people were looking to buy and pretty much had kind of stalled for a bit saying, well, I'm not going to buy a house without seeing it. That's ridiculous. But all of them had piled into one specific part of the year 
all looking to buy at a time when supply is usually anyway constrained, which is the latter part of the year. And that has just spilled over into this year. And that's what we're seeing has spilled over into this year. It's that there's still just, uh, there, was a, there was a period there, a long period of time there where people just didn't buy and there was nothing going on. Therefore, they're all now, it's a hyper intensified market where it was like, although, what's it? I don't know the exact figure, but although there was um, obviously a really slow year for home sell, sell, sales last year and, and December, the December was the busiest on record for house selling and house, acti- house buying activity, on, on record so that's that's just december of last year but that kind of gives a bit of a hint to where wh- how frenzy it, it was even during but the, the, that kind of backs what i was saying there was it was all piled into this one or two month space yeah and then because people were like holy crap i was gonna like i was waiting to sit tight to see if there was going to be a, a, a you know essentially another recession maybe my home i won't buy until there's a recession on then obviously get cheaper no, actually, the counter has happened. Flat prices are flying up. So people thought, all the experts in the industry, myself thought included, there's going, to be a re- there's going to be a pandemic. There's going to be a recession. Prices will come down. That's what normally happens. But it just hasn't happened. So now everyone's panicking even more. They got it so wrong that they're flying in with bids now to try and... And they're not even seeing the houses before they buy them. It's just... Or put deposits down. And it's just mental. Yeah, our friend Carla had actually shared her experience on unpopular opinion they did an episode with the guy who does crazy house prices do listen to that because it's a very good episode but like she was in a similar position where herself and her partner were kind of towards the end of a way on a on a on a duplex or whatever and they had kind of always said we're like we're not getting into a bidding war we're just not ours like and they said to the estate person they were like don't contact us unless we have it and then this person had never came in had never seen the house and started like bidding way over asking price and even if you follow your man crazy house prices on instagram like places are going for like 50 60k above asking price and like you see the houses they're not they're not worth that like it's just it is so demented it is so demented i just can't it comes down to why some of those bear to pay those some of those prices. You might look at something and say, "Well, that's just in my own head. That's a, let's say for example, that's a three hundred thousand euro house. That's how much you'd be willing to spend for it. Maybe sometimes usually what you're willing to spend on something is just purely based on your your own spending power. It's not necessarily based on any like all oh, I value with this at this because when you're buying, you're buying for a home. You're not look, you're not buying for an investment. You're not buying to say if I buy it for three hundred grand, therefore I have this much value in it because I spent three hundred grand in, in it. Not really. Whereas what happens is now we you've got normal buyers like probably your friend there competing with what sounds like an investor and they might be one off might just be buying a, a small time landlord looking to buy most likely not they're probably a landlord maybe who owns 10 to 50 homes because there's not many one-off landlords there's definitely not many one-off landlords getting into the market now because they're taxed so heavily but what they're probably competing there was, was a landlord who again has maybe between 10 and 50 homes in a portfolio but the way they value these properties is completely different Lula's <laughs> head is in her hands Imagine having more than one house. Like, I just can't even fathom it. So mad. Like, but they came in and they, see, the way they don't value it like what we would, or especially if we were on a one-off owner-occupier, owner we're supposed one-off buyer, because they come in and say, well, I want to get a certain percentage of yield. And what does yield mean? Yield, I, it took ages to get to the bottom. So what, what yield actually means, yield is the, essentially the profit you make on your, um, profit you make on a per year, relative to the value of the house so it's the way to think about it is you put money into a bank and you get interest back 
So you put right. money, put twenty grand into, get twenty grand in the bank in a year, you get this much back. And if you put ten grand, this is how much you get back. And that's essentially what yield is. But that's how they view it. They view it as like we're going to get four percent yield, we're going to get six percent yield, we're going to get ten percent yield off it. And ideally, we get a group of these together. And the more we have together, the more then we'll be able to sell them on as a as a good bulk asset to someone else. But this is again, you know, we're getting into here. This is the financialization of housing. That's what people people I hear to say. People's financialization of housing. It's turning what is normally a home into a commodity, like a product that you would flip on, that you'd sell. And that's why we're having this problem. That's why we have a bunch of people who look at housing in a very different way to the normal owner-occupier. And when there's a constrained supply, then of course you're going to have a problem with, because normally if there wasn't a constrained supply, they go in and buy the other ones that, are, that, that people don't want to buy. Or they or there'll be there'll be more properties to go around that you wouldn't have such a problem. Now in constrained supply, that's where they, they can bid up and value up. A spe- and then obviously if there's constrained supply, that's a perfect market for them because they want to rent these back to people who can't buy. So it's like a perfect, it's perfect, not boil, yeah, boiling pot for them. But, and then what's the crack with the government being involved with one of these places? Or maybe I have that totally wrong and maybe I'm actually going to be sued for saying that. But what was the crack with, there was some estate and a load of houses were bought up, but like the government had given them money or the government were friends with them. Please explain that better than however yeah. I'm explaining it. In so, yeah. they're, not, they're not friends. They're not busy mates. <laughs> so yeah, so I suppose, yeah, and I think we were talking before the call there, what we, what we actually call these, the safest thing to call them is institutional funds or institutional investors. Then we get into the more emotive bird-themed funds. <laughs> 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 just, just, just like, I don't know why. Anyway, well... <laughs> If you're going to like tier them, it'd be like vulture fund would be probably the worst thing you'd want to be called if you're one of these funds. That's you're just coming in and picking off the debt. Like, like what would a vulture fund would be the ones that bought the Celtic Tiger estates that were essentially empty. So, you know, they're picking the carcass off a dead animal or Ireland being the animal, the vulture funds being the vultures. Then you kind of get cuckoo fund, which came along because that didn't really fit some of them now because some of these things they're buying weren't necessarily like dead animals lying on the side of the street. These were like more kind of like crafty birds they're like cuckoos <laughs> they came in and were like i see you've got something good going on there how about i take it for me your nest i like push all your eggs out put my own eggs in but i'm not actually going to look after the eggs bit you're going to still do that for me so they're, and that's essentially what a cuckoo fund is it comes in and instead it buys up homes that are ready for people like us to buy and then I think, then you've just got like just general investors who would not fall under a cuckoo or a vulture that would be like the kind of people we're talking about, 50 to 100 homes who would just be, yeah, would own multiple multiple homes, but would be bidding, let's buying secondhand properties, buying some new hand, new properties. But, wait, but to get to your actual question, which was the government and funds. So, it started, so this really kicked off with Mullen Park in Maynooth, where that was a, an estate developed by an Irish developer. And a, it was going to be sold to, there was 90, from what I've heard, it was talking to buyers in the estate and talking to um, people who were helping those buyers go through the process. There's about 90 people who were ready to buy those homes. There was, I think, 170 in total. 10% of them already were going to the council. That's the part of, that's normal, normal, normal standard practice. And then an approved housing body was going to get either all of the rest of them or some of the rest of them. It's, it's not really for, for sure what, what they were actually going to buy. An approved housing body is another social housing body. That's again, what we know as public housing in some other countries. But what happened was the developer got a better deal. Uh, fund came in and said, we're going to pay more 
Uh, we don't know exactly how much more they're going to pay more per unit and more than the approved housing body for social housing or the one-off buyers. And they just came in and said, we'll buy all those up free up front. And that's a big cost saving because then you don't have to go through the legals of every single person getting their own contract. Every single marketing it is also the thing. Also, you wouldn't sell them all in one go. Like if there was 90 buyers for 170 homes, they clearly didn't have enough anyway to buy them all off market because they're probably too expensive for some people. Not for they weren't suitable for all first time buyers or all just normal buyers. So it is a quite an attractive model and then you've got other two other states which i found that were also sold to what we call cuckoo funds which were ones that came in and bought houses before they hit the market and that was what the government invested in they invested a company called urbeo which was um and that's that's using our money our money that's put on taxes was invested in this company to come and buy homes before they hit the market to put them back in the rental market so it's kind of i i think it's kind of like the government it's kind of the state not the government it's the state screwing over their own taxpayers with their own taxpayers money that's the way i would look at it personally i'm sure people would have some issue with that but that's essentially like our money is being used to buy homes for the state for a private company to rent them back to the citizens from which the private from which the private company and the state will make a profit that is that is batshit crazy. I want to be, I want to be sick <laughs> everywhere. I just feel so ill. I feel more ill doing this, this episode than thing. we spend this the rent thing. And we like, And we like to do it on Sundays as well, just when everyone's just got peak fear. <laughs> just to tap into that peak fear people yeah, it's have. When you, it's when they tweet the front page and it's like, tomorrow, and it's just killing us more bad housing news for people. <laughs> but like, how do we stop it then? Like, what do you, what is the solution? Or is it like, do we have a while of this just being so bad and getting worse? Like, is this mythical crash ever going to happen or what's next? Like, I, I, I'm, I'm through making predictions because I have no idea what I'm talking about. Other than <laughs> I know what happened. I can tell you what's happened retrospectively, which I, which I, well, I should stick to. So I can say exactly what, what has just happened the last few weeks. Predicting what's going to happen next would be very tough. But the, the actual probable answer to it would be to reframe Irish law that would assure a right to housing and that doesn't mean that anyone can just go to the government and say i'm not paying my rent anymore you need to give me a home tomorrow or you're breaching my constitutional rights that would mean that from from the get-go we will be starting to prioritize the, uh, the needs of taxpayers and, and people who are looking to individually buy in the country ahead of private interests or at least factor them in level at the moment private interests are level if not actually will be ahead of citizens' rights when it comes to housing. And that's a hang-up from when the English came over and took all of our land. And then we got oh, it back. Their and we neighbor were not like, at it. We were like, <laughs> we can't have this happen again. We need to assure the private rights of people to do what they want with their land. And now we're kind of rebelling a bit. Of, we need to rebel a bit of back, back against that and assure that everyone can still have a right to own. Because it's now, that was this time when you it was feasible for everyone to essentially buy their own plot of land and build on it or have their own farm or have their own, not for everyone, but it was something you could aspire to no matter how small mm-hmm. a plot of land it would be. You could still always aim to buy one. That's just not feasible anymore with land prices and what, the way people and the way the world works now. People live in cities. People want to live in with lots of other people. It's not feasible for everyone to own their little plot of land. But what we need is a right to housing. And that would at least start to assure that policy would have to be built around giving people the right to their own home. And, that, and, and ideally, get to a stage where it doesn't matter if you're earning, you know, 50,000 a year, you be have a right to a social home or a form of a social home or a form of affordable housing. Like at the moment, it's kind of, there's this wrong, there, I think it's 35,000 and lower. And if your household earns that 35,000 or lower, then you're entitled to social housing. But there's a huge, like then 35,000 up until 
think now it's mid seventies. I think if you're no, even higher if you're a single earner to start to earn a more, to have enough to earn a mortgage. Like that's, that's a huge gap between there where people just can't afford to get on the housing ladder, can't and barely and also barely afford to pay you know rent in a city. Like if you're around thirty seven grand on your own in a city, then you're screwed. Like you just can't. Where, where unless you are the only people who would be I I find that some people do get by in that is because they've had a long term deal with a landlord or somewhere they're staying in a city or they're having to live with five like three or four or five other people just to get by uh, on that on that wage in the city while also being unable to save uh, you know but the, to yeah to answer your question like where's the end of this is probably building into the constitution a right to housing and i don't even know if you know, we were held, held i said at the start like building thirty-five thousand homes a year maybe that's the goal I don't even know if that should be the goal anymore because we've seen that we're not necessarily saying what kind of homes we need to build. Build at the moment, it nearly nearly exclusively the apartments. I mean, like ninety nine point nine percent of the apartments been built in Dublin will be built for rent. They won't. They they will not be put up for sale. They, and that, that and a lot of people probably like to wouldn't mind buying a one bed or two bed apartment as a starter home to maybe then sell on themselves to buy their own home if they want to move out into the suburbs. But there's no. There's nothing to say that build getting up to that thirty-five thousand rate will actually mean any difference because if they're all coming on the built-to-rent market, and they're all being built at the high end of the standard, then you're just looking at rents. They'll have to charge three grand rents, with three, two, three, two, three grand rents <laughs> for a two for like a two-bed average. So unwell. I mean, yeah, like that 1800 was for one bed. That was something that was bandied around as well when people talk about affordable housing. It's like affording affordable for who you know because like I think 400k was or th- even 300k was bandied about at one point and it's like for, and, who, for who for whom like, you know that, like that's, that's you're already yeah. excluding like such a big subsection of people by claiming that that's affordable housing you know like my problem was at the moment with there's a new government agent newish government agency called the land development agency and, and their plan is to try and use public lands to build homes for affordable housing cost rental and you know and just general social housing and they have a good remit it's it's good we have a lot of public land that we can use a lot of land the state owns that could be built on but at the same time i look at some of the metrics they're using for what is affordable and it's just bananas that and it would make you make it quite frustrated that they are talking about um i think there's a dundrum scheme they're building on near the mental health hospital is it still in use or it's, it's with the mental health hospital um uh grounds and they said that it's going to be for one bed in those in those developments it's going to be a thousand euro a month and like that's not afford like that's affordable for maybe if we're talking about just couples yeah, a thousand might be might be affordable, but that's just such narrow thinking to think that actually it's what couples will want a one bed apartment in Dundrum. Like couples probably might want a one bed apartment. Maybe it's not big enough for their needs. And also, most likely, who's going to go for those one beds are people who are single who can't afford. It is. It will be cheaper than elsewhere. Yeah, but still, a thousand a month would leave someone who's let's say. As I said, thirty-five grand is a cut off the moment for social housing in Dublin, or around that mark. If you're on thirty-seven thousand a year, let's say, and single in Dublin, you and you go for one of those, you know, a third of your rent is going on on just living. Not that, and actually, if you're paying a third of your rent, you are considered in housing poverty. That that is oh, that, 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 that defined. You're, you're you're defined as in housing poverty, and there's different scales. You know, obviously, you know that that's relative. If you're a millionaire. And you're living at Beverly Hills, yeah. and you're paying thirty, like three hundred and thirty-three grand a year on housing, which is what some of the housewives do. 
Um, High Richard's <laughs> renting out our house to Sutton. Yeah, to, yeah, Sutton, yeah. So, so, so Sutton might be paying, yeah, to get, get it into relative terms, Sutton might be paying. Oh, it, was, it was something bananas. It was like 17 or 18. It was something crazy. Oh, she oh, was giving her a discount, though. She was giving yeah. her a discount. But she was pay, she's paying like a stupid amount of money a month, which is probably maybe might be a third of her monthly income. I, I hope it'd be at least a third of her monthly income. She, but anyway, she's not in housing poverty. So it's relative, you know, like yeah. you can't like it, yeah. but it is for, for someone that says earning 36, 37 grand a year, which is around the average wet median wage. If they are single living in Dublin, paying a thousand euro a month, they're paying a third of their, third, that they're in housing poverty is they're paying a third of their wages. On rent. So grim. Killian Woods, thank you for ruining my day. <laughs> No, it's at least it's half eight to... in the evening. So. Uh, we'll, we'll end on a more positive note. Are you looking forward to Love Island? Yeah, yeah, I am. Yeah. Um, <laughs> the vibes. I did. I've I've put I've put a lot of effort into Housewives over the last year, and it's um, and you know, it there's a lot to dedicate there. Well, it's, well, it's only once a week, but um, mm. you know, I feel like. Every time I started a new, like uh, my fiance started um, New York, I was like, I can't watch New York. I've just finished Beverly Hills. I can't yeah. watch it again. And like after the second, by the middle of the second season, I knew all their names. I was repeating the catchphrases. I was, you know. <laughs> Jill Zarin, Zarin Fabrics, Bobby. <laughs> have this charity event for creaky joints. My fave. My well, yeah, fave. I am looking forward to Love Island. But it's, it's going to be, it, it can't be not good because like, it, it, we just missed it. So, um we live in hope. We live in hope. Killian Woods, senior, senior. Oh, I can't even speak. Senior business reporter for the Business Post. Thank you so much for joining us on Bandwagons. Thanks for having me. Killian Woods there from the Business Post. And I will say again, if you want good journalism, you got to pay for it. We'll have him. He'll be back. to the Business Post. Yeah, no, he's going to come back and talk about Housewives or Love Island or something. He's... A re- he is a reality he thinks about reality TV in the same way that I do which is warped and just thinks about it in every <laughs> single way that's not a diss Killian we're big fans of you here but yeah he's gonna come back he's gonna come back okay two more stories two more uh, my go your go your go is it two more stories yeah I, I have one yeah. and you have one you go you go and then I'll go okay, and then I'll figure out where I kind, am kind of uh, follows on from Killian not from Killian from Owen Um. Hi, lovely ladies. This is from a friend of the pod as well. We're obsessed with you, but we're keeping them anonymous. Hi, lovely ladies. Hopefully I'm not the only one writing in as being able to buy a place in Ireland is next to impossible in this country. However, I was ridiculously fortunate to buy a place in March 2020, just around the COVID lockdown time. Finding furniture for a new apartment in the middle of a a panoramic situation was fucking splendid. My main tip everyone should take away is don't do it alone. Get yourself a mortgage broker. They do all the work for you and will tell you what you want or tell you what will and won't help get approval with the banks. For example, cut down on just each delivery, no gambling sites, etc. The mortgage broker can also apply to a number of different banks on your behalf and get the best rate amount instead of just applying directly yourself to one bank and being stuck there. Most don't charge a fee either. The bank pay them a commission or something instead. Uh, I used the government's help to buy scheme, which gave me a 20 grand, 20 grand, which I could put towards the deposit, which this year has increased to 30 grand only for first time buyers of new bills or first time builders. Yeah, that's what I think I'd be kind of looking at when my time comes. And that's what my mom was trying to say to me. Yeah, but like at the same time, I was kind of trying to say to her, like the cost of some of the new bills is like. Yeah, you'd be putting beyond my reach as well. Yeah, like it's a bit demented. Mm. Why don't you build? 
we want land where am I going to build this I think it works I could be wrong but I'm pretty sure um someone told me once that it's it kind of works out the same to build or to buy but that might be just like a down the country thing like obviously you you can't build in Dublin willy-nilly I'd say it's a down the country thing no I will say I've a friend of a friend who's flat out about plots and swords so I could end up being the real house swords. swords. You could live in worse. Yeah, you can live in worse places than swords. Sorry, Keen. What's the Indian that's in swords? That's really nice. Chili shaker. I would love that. Chili shaker. Sponsor this podcast, please. I mean, um, absolutely. Build buy a house uh, based around what takeaways are around it. That absolutely be number yeah. one. Well, if that was the case, then I'd just move in with fucking Janet. I'd move into yard. <laughs> Moving to yard and Imagine buying a house though And all the takeaways Are shit around you Honestly That's made me upset Ah uh, Yeah Don't worry Okay um, Last one I think Take this home. is uh, Maybe we don't have last one, do we? I think four there's down. one is more four down? Hang on I'll read this one And then you can tell me um, Okay Hi. Oh, hang on. Wait. <laughs> Hi. Um, Hi. Yeah. No, there's a, there's like three more, I think. No. Okay. Hey, girls. Wanted to share some of my mortgage story with you. I'm 29 and at the start of lockdown last, me and my boyfriend decided to apply for mortgage to buy a house in the west of Ireland where we're from. Overall, we were quite lucky, got approval easy enough and found a house in November of 2020 that went sale agreed uh, on, but it doesn't say when. The challenges started after this. With construction shut down most of this year, we have still not moved in. The house was left at almost done stage for most of the last seven months, basically waiting to have the kitchen and floors done for most of that time. Now we're approaching drawdown stage and the vendors are complete cowboys or very disorganized. We've received multiple bills for extras we never got. They didn't floor the upstairs of the house and admitted they mixed us up with another couple. Finally, last week we received a bill for three and a half K for floors. We never saw a quote for this and were told floors were included in the sale. We've had to get our solicitor involved. We're in a difficult place now where, where moving in could be delayed again. If we don't pay them this extra money. Overall, our experience sounds like a breeze compared to others, but it's a stressful time. That's my worst fear of having cowboy builders. Yeah, I've heard, heard nothing. Well, it's but- not my worst fear, but it's it will be one of my fears. Yeah. I think that was the last one. God, I remember them being such ha- so much happier earlier, but that doesn't reflect the state of the nation. Um. Oh yeah, sorry, you were right. I was actually looking at um an email that I'd seen um that we'd read personal, already. Um, personal email. Yeah, talk to me now about mini bandwagons. Breed oh yes. Brown. Oh yes. You better. Have I you done them? I have. I done them. <laughs> the holiday is over, Fanula. I'm back. Um. Yeah, I did them. Um, first one we spoke about it a little bit off mic, but it was the Friends reunion on Thursday night. I think Thursday night Friends reunion. Yes, reunion. Yes, yes. Did you watch? No, not yet. Yeah, I watched half of it last night. Um, and I will probably watch the other half tonight. And I liked it. I like what they're doing. I like the people involved. Bar James Gordon. Um, it's interesting and it's good, and it's not like overly hammed up mm-hmm. so I yeah. am going to watch it I'm not like anti-watching it I just ha- I have enough time I fully like, that they I've all seen like, it. are obsessed with each other and they just they really did love each other and they are like a family to each other I do believe that 
yeah, I well, I don't know if I'd say that they're like all super close, but I feel like if something happened to one of them in the more or like one of them rang the other being like, I'm in a really bad way. I need you to come get me or I need fucking money. Yeah. They'd be like, yeah, I have no questions asked. Yeah, no, I think that it's kind of even way. that they're close now. Yeah, but you can tell that them all being back there in that place, they were like super close at the time and it was the nostalgia. Um, Yeah, and it was it was good. It was good. Surpri- I'm surprised because I really didn't want them to ever go back and touch that. Fair. Very Second fair. Second one. Have you heard of Four Loco? Yes, I have. Why? How was I the last one to hear about this? Explain um, that to me. I was, at the, I was leading the White Claw bandwagon. Driving Yeah, this one. is, but this has been a big thing. Like if someone did a J1, you'd hear all about Four Loco. Was the thing. Yeah. That's how you knew someone did a J1. It's like super strong. It's like, like drink that fucks you up. So I tried like it. Like Monster, but it's alcoholic. Oh yeah, what's your thing? Tried it on my holidays. It's like 8.6%. Like literally like Alcoholic Monster. It's absolutely violent. But if you're into that kind of stuff, go for it. I tried the uh, gold one, which tasted like vodka and Red Bull. And I tried the green one, which tasted like uh, Mickey Finn's Apple Sours. And, uh, Interesting. They wouldn't be for me personally. Okay. But um, yeah. Would I like them? I don't think. Do you like Monster? No. That no, like they're just they're proper. I don't want to say like I don't want to generalize the type of people who would drink these drinks, so I won't. But um, I think you should. <laughs> they're proper like boy racer drinks. <laughs> like we're not worried about generalizing boy racers. They don't listen to this podcast. Um, yeah, yeah, that's fair. Um, but yeah, so uh, get get yourself a four loco. I think my opinion on the four loco is the cans are way too big. No one needs them. They're too sweet for the size of the quantity of drink you get. Fair. That's very fair. Um, and then this is one I missed last week, which we should have spoken about. And it's Olivia Rodrigo's album. Album. Al- album. Yeah. Sour. Sour. Yeah. Thoughts and opinions. Sabrina Carpenter, where are you now? Rotted. Um, hey, I also haven't fully listened to this yet. I'm going to be totally honest, but I've loved the singles. Sorry. I I'm have listened. Desperate. I've listened to it through a lot. Okay. Well then. It is. The first time I listened to it, I thought, wow, every single one of these songs is about a breakup. And then. Yeah. And then I saw someone online be like, don't, why are you giving out about her only writing songs about breakups when you listen to Taylor Swift all the time? I was like, yeah, fair. And like, what do you want her to write about? She's 17. And what do you, like puppies? Like, I don't know. But like oh, so many people. All like, the best songs are like, yeah, exactly. Exactly. She's a bright future ahead of her. That guy. Yeah. An That's my impersonation of the Matt LeBlanc meme. And you're still <laughs> at the music. Yeah, yeah. And an oat milk, does that come from an oat? Sure. Um, yeah, she, it's good. It's a good album. If you liked early Taylor Swift, that kind of, or Misery Business, it's those kind of vibes. Um, They're my only two likes, in fairness. Yeah. Um, what, do you know what I was thinking for Patreon this week? We do Movie Club, but we do it like summer themed. So I was thinking Holiday in the Sun. What other Holiday options? Sun. 500 Mary Kate, No, the Mary Kate Nashley. Passport Party. No, Megan Fox, isn't it? Winning London. No, I say, I just said it's Holiday in the Sun. Stop naming other Mary Kate Nashley movies. Something Rome. I don't we know that do, one. Um, yeah, that's fair. We do, yeah, okay, well, maybe ignore that. But we're going to be, the point is, we're going to be doing something good over on Patreon. We always yeah. do good stuff over we'll on probably, Patreon. So maybe we'll do a poll and the theme will maybe be like we'll. summer feel-good movies. Yeah. Um, Mamma Mia? Will we maybe give patrons a, a sneak of maybe some maybe some merch we might have soon? 
Oh. Maybe oh, some oh. don't mention the war. She's dropping exclusives. Yeah, you might get a sneak peek over there. Only if you subscribe, though. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep, yep, yep. Um, yeah, that's it from us. Uh, Bandwagon's podcast everywhere on social media. Um, this podcast is produced by Collaborative Studios. Leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, but only if it's nice. And you can follow us on Spotify to keep up to date with all the latest episodes. We will see you next week. Goodbye. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.